0: Good morning. Good morning. We'll be speaking, we'll reading from Psalm 8 this morning. I want to before, before I begin, thank Pastor Ben for inviting me to speak to this psalm, uh, for as uh, is no doubt no surprise to you, this is a, this is a marvelously wonderful psalm that um, is so very familiar to the tongues of God's people. Now as we've looked at the psalms, you may have noticed that typically in your copy of the scriptures, the the typeset is different. And that's because the psalms are poetry. Uh, Now I'm, uh, and I've never known... Really, for sure, which it is, but I think I'm a right brain kind of guy. Uh, uh, Jack Webb. Anybody know who Jack Webb is? <laughs> yes. all us old people do. <laughs> yeah, just the facts, ma'am. Just the facts. All right. That's that's for me. And so poetry, as as a younger man, as a boy, just evaded me. I I. Didn't get it. Just say what you mean. Why you gotta complicate it like that? The only reason being so that so that that English English teacher could browbeat us uh, about. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm batting a thousand so far. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, to, to understand and to to uh, uh, interpret uh, this poetry. Well, if they'd have just wrote what they wanted to say to start with, there'd have been no need for interpretation, no need to figure it out, and thankfully, no need for English teachers. That, uh, that, uh, but no, that's uh, so in the wisdom of the Lord our God, there is such a thing as poetry. Poetry that is art. Poetry that is language art. Art, beauty that is set forth in in words and language. Words that are strung together not necessarily to inform, perhaps not to make one brighter, more intelligent, but rather poetry is language art of words strung together that would would elicit from one's heart, would elicit from one a feeling an emotion in response to this art, as is the case with most all art, and so it is for poetry. Psalm 8 is poetry. Psalm 8 is poetry that was penned by one of the greatest poets of all time, David, the shepherd king. A man, we're told, after God's own heart. In David's poetry we can most clearly see the work of God the Holy Spirit inspiring him to write what his writing was ultimately to be. That is God's Word. And so the beauty that we see certainly was from the talented pen of David. but. What we encounter, what we receive, what we hear, what we feel in this psalm is the word of God. Inspired by God, we clearly see the experiences of David's life reflected in his poetry throughout the psalms, throughout David's psalms, throughout David's poems. We see the shepherd tending his sheep, Under the canopy of a spectacular night sky we see the brave lad standing up to a giant of a man, Goliath, enemy of God's people, commended into God's hand and felled by the shepherd's sling, David, a servant of the king. David, faithful in every detail. David, the the king's servant, loving, forgiving, serving. And then David, the king, anointed himself. David, the king, upon his throne, endeavoring to, to provide, to protect, to be the sovereign of his people. All of David's life, his failures as well as his successes, are in his poetry, in the Psalms, in God's Word, inspired to inspire. I want to do something a little different this morning, and I'd like for us to read Psalm 8 together. Oh wow! Wow. So we'll be reading the text of the ESV, and there there are just so many wonderful translations available to us today in the English language. So originally, right, the poetry of the Psalms was written in another language, written in Hebrew. And it's it's. I'm told this is not something I can say firsthand but I'm told it's difficult to translate poetry uh, from from another language, particularly from an ancient language into a modern language and particularly into English. And yet I think the translators have done an amazing job of communicating the beauty of this poetry for us today. I want us to read this together. I think I think it will be a blessing to us all, as we read together, as we read slowly, we're not in a hurry. We're going to read this to be inspired as it was inspired. We're going to read this to feel rather than to know. So we'll begin at verse 1, the one that begins, O Lord. We're not going to read the stuff before that. You can read it silently for yourself. So if you allow me to lead as we read, let's read together. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, <clears throat> beast of the field, the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, Whatever passes along the paths of the sea, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. By the glory of this poetry, we are led into the glory of the Lord our God. For certainly His glory, His majesty, is revealed in the words of this psalm. As it leads us to recognize, to acknowledge, that He, the Lord our God, is superior over all things. He is sovereign over all things. How majestic is His name! in all the earth, glorious in his grandeur, glorious in his might, as Isaiah saw him high and lifted up, a powerful Lord. Power that can be unleashed to build up or to utterly destroy. Nothing is beyond His power. Nothing exceeds His authority in all the earth. I ask you, what would you name that is not under the hand of God? If you do, You are mistaken. David was also to write Psalm 139, where we read, Where shall I go from your spirit, or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. There is not that is not under his authority, his power, his sovereignty. His majesty is revealed in the magnitude of his presence and in his majesty is revealed yet in the smallest, of entities, like little David, standing against that giant Goliath. As Ben said, you know how that story ends. And it's because before David ever picked up the first stone, before David ever stood stepped foot on the field of battle David commended this giant into the hand of the Lord how majestic is his name in all the earth kind of makes you feel sorry for Goliath doesn't it he never had a chance how our hearts are led to awe in the majesty of our God, in His grandeur, and in His presence, in the tidiest, the weiest, the smallest of infants. Moreover, the glory of our Creator is revealed in His creation. We're reminded in Romans chapter 1, His invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. you got to really appreciate God's willingness to say the obvious for those who are so obtuse. If you have never stared up into the starry night, if you have never been awed by the hand of God, in His creation. You are denying the obvious. If you can marvel at the intricate language of DNA, if you can marvel at that amazing discovery of the the double helix and those four molecules combined together to form the the core of life. If you can look at this intricate language and not be amazed by the writer of that language, you're refusing to see what is clearly perceived. If you can hold a newborn child, and not give thanks to the father of us all. I would suggest that you have a mind of sand and a heart of stone. The glory of the creator is revealed in his creation. And then within the the expanse of his creation, as we consider all that his hand has made, we find ourselves insignificant. We find ourselves to be but a speck on the canvas of his artistry. Does he know we exist, this majestic Lord? Does our God care for our praises? The span between his awesome majesty and our humble existence makes us wonder, who am I? that you are mindful of me and the son of man that you care for him. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in in all the earth. And we see this majesty revealed in the wonder of his creation of us. His majesty revealed in, in the creation of mankind, certainly in humility. We are made a, a little lower than the heavenly beings. As His creature, we would think that we are undeserving of the Creator's attention as His creature, we might see ourselves as undeserving of the Creator's care. But we know that we were not only created in humility, but certainly He has created us in glory. He has given particular attention to this, His creation. He has created us. In His image, He has created us for His purpose. He has elevated us over all of creation, as in the garden with the the creation of Adam. He gave Him authority over every living creature. As we reflect on our creation and in our meditation upon who we are in God's creation, we must recognize that we are created by the majestic Lord of all the earth and a marvelous creation we are. Again David said in Psalm 139, he wrote, I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made." Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. Even as we marvel at the majesty of our creator, our Lord, our God, in all that we perceive, we cannot escape the reality that all is not as it should be we recognize that things could be better. I really expected an amen on that one. In the glory of his creation, in the beauty of this world, in the marvel of our own existence, We are in fact bowed to the creation. The tiniest of creatures, nothing more than one simple strand of DNA can strike us down. I am witness to that. This little strand of Chemicals tied together can bring a halt to all the work of an entire society. No one with an ounce of intelligence disagrees with the scripture that says, For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. Yes, it's a glorious creation. Yes, we are a marvelous part of that creation. But things are not as they could be. Things are not as they should be. Things are not the best. Where then is that crown with glory and honor? Where then is our dominion over the works of his hands? Where are all things under our feet? After all, this is poetry. Was David just daydreaming? Was David just imagining things? writing a poem, fantasy, wishful thinking? The answer to these is made plain in God's word. For the Lord tells us in Hebrews chapter 2, it was not to angels that God subjected the world to come of which we are speaking, But we see him who for a little while was made lower than angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. Jesus. Jesus. This man, Jesus, is the fulfillment of God's plan that all creation would be subject to man. It is that perfect man, Jesus, who accomplished the divine will of God to create a people for Himself, a people for His glory. He condescended to share in flesh and blood that we can call him brother. Again in Hebrews we read, Therefore he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who is in every respect, has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. After suffering the cross, Jesus rose from the tomb. He ascended to the right hand of the Father, where he has secured an eternal inheritance for those who are called. You've uh, perhaps read in the the Gospels that Jesus so often refers to Himself as the Son of Man. And you may have with me often wondered why, why this particular title? Why does Jesus so often refer to himself by this Son of Man? Well, here we are in Psalm 8. And here's the answer. That Jesus is that Son of Man. Jesus is that Son of Man in whom all that God has said, all that God inspired, all that God led David to write in this poem, God has accomplished in His Son, Jesus Christ, who is the Son of Man, and who very purposefully, very intentionally, and I would say very lovingly, identified himself as the Son of Man so that we would know that we can call him Brother. Jesus was a person just like us, flesh and blood. And he endured all the temptations that you or I ever endured. And of course, that temptation that certainly I so easily fall to, Jesus overcame. Jesus demonstrated that that you don't have to give to temptation. The one whom we call brother, the one that has identified himself as as, as much as we might desire to identify ourselves as like him, he first identified himself as like us, the Son of Man, our brother, who overcome all those temptations and suffered. You know, he, he suffered so much before he ever went to the cross. I mean, we got a whole nother sermon there, don't we? To be despised and rejected. He is the, the Son of God. Condescended. That means, that means he, he left the glory of heaven, he left that glory behind. You know, we, we love the Christmas story we make it into such a such a precious thing the the manger the, the cow right but no he was born in a stable you know that manger is a a cattle trough all that he suffered in humility yeah he is our he is our brother and he calls us to accept that, that He has provided, He has accomplished, He has He has made the way that we can enter into His glory as we put our faith, our trust, as we we we, we turn away from that sin in self. Bible calls it repentance. We trust in the Son of God, the Son of Man, the one who is our brother. Again in Hebrews, long ago at many times in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things. Sound like Psalm 8? Through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature and He upholds the universe by the word of His power. After making purifications for sin, He sat down at the right hand of the Majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name He has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Jesus Christ is the Son of Man in whom is found the majestic name that fills the earth. His majesty is seen in all of His creation. His glory is evident in the miracle of life. His righteousness, His love, His grace are plainly seen in the Son of God, Jesus Christ. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. So I hope you're no smarter this morning. This poetry is not set before us to get you to intellectually agree to some historical event. Rather, this language of beauty, this artistry of words, is set before us by the Lord our God this day, that it would touch your heart, that it would open your heart to the majesty of the Lord our God, who is our creator and our savior. May his name, ever be exalted. Amen.